seven, six, five, four, three, two, one. You'll never have me, Sacred Stone. <laughs> oh, this you crazy mother... Welcome, friends, to episode 142 of Color of Magic, your Magic and Gaming podcast, where we talk about all types of issues that affect gamers at and away from their gaming tables and computers. I am your host, Daquan Watson, and for 142 episodes, still got my main man, who I hope isn't having heat strokes in Texas, Brian Allen. How is it going, dude? Oh, it, it is ridiculously hot. We're trying to, you know, just really just get groceries and stuff, and Man, Every time I, I even you. pull up Pokemon Go, I get the warning like, hey, don't be outside. Are you outside? Right? Are you safe? <laughs> Dude, we got that for the first time up here because it was like 90 degrees when I got back from L.A. the other day. And I was like, that's actually a for real hot day. That's cool. You know, and then the next day it was like 60 again. I was like, and that's why I enjoy living here. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's why I'm, I'm never more jealous of you than when you. Drop those temperature numbers. Dude, I I feel like I ain't lying, man. Like it is a whole different world. Like I, I think it would benefit people to travel and live in a couple of places or where I mean, obviously not everybody can do that. That's a privileged thing, but seeing how different people live around the country under different temperature conditions and how people react to cold or heat or whatever really shows you how different the environments, the housing, everything else is built to survive those things. Because, you know, I just today I was talking to somebody that even with it hitting just 90 for a day or two, it was really hard for people up here because a lot of places don't have ACs. Hell, a bunch of places don't even have ceiling fans, much less ACs. Yeah. It's just, it's just, so when it's hot, it's just hot, hot. Like there's no reprieve. You're, you're setting up fans and portable AC units or whatever it is you can do. But a lot of people don't invest in it because they don't need it for more than maybe like two weeks total during the week. But and yeah, during, you wouldn't at that point. Yeah, but during those two weeks, you have a bunch of people that have like heat strokes and stuff, yeah. which is wild. Because in Texas, you can't even rent a place. Like if if you don't have AC, you're already going to have trouble. If you don't have AC or ceiling fans, like you might as well condemn that place. Right. Like, it's crazy. Absolutely crazy. So, yeah, totally different stuff here. But before we get into this stuff, because we have a lot of things, surprisingly, to talk about today, we're going to tell you about the folks over at Cardsphere.com. They're actually a really cool site if you've never used it to buy and sell Magic cards. And the best part is you do both at the price you want. Matter of fact, I sent out like $1,000 worth of cards earlier today, and I still have a lot more to send, but it's been really cool. I'm also in the middle of doing a project with them right now to build an entire Pioneer deck, see how much money I save and how long it takes me to get all the cards. So hopefully I'll have that video together probably by mid-July, all the cards get in and all that. But just to show people that like it is totally possible to do and you'll save money. So you should check them out over at cardsphere.com. And then if you want to support the show, you can go over to patreon.com slash color of magic. And you can be just like our newest patron, Jens Herzog. Thank you for coming on board. Much appreciated. And that just really helps out a lot. It lets me keep paying Brian, helps us replace equipment. Hell, Brian just had a computer break. We've had to get new equipment, microphones and stuff along the way, which is why the show gets to sounding better. All of this goes to help contribute to all that stuff. So we really, really appreciate it. And then you can go to colorofmtg.com shop and you can get some tokens and playmats and rep the show as we start going back out to our game stores and events. Speaking of which, events start up again for, I believe, the regional qualifiers or whatever we're calling those. Uh, starting this weekend on July 2nd. So 
yeah, get you some stuff and go out and rep the show. We'd appreciate it. And then that brings us to the actual order of business of the day. So I'm going to take a step away because I normally have a good gaming related rant or something here, but this one's pseudo gaming related because I was out on business last week. I don't know if any of y'all, if you're, if you follow the show, you know, I mentioned it, but I went down to LA for the first time and I've been to like Anaheim and San Diego and whatever. This is the first time I've been to like LA proper to, to do business. And I was filming some stuff with tabletop jocks and Joe Johnson and his folks there. And partly just to also learn about some other things in the industry and whatever. And we're going to talk about that in the, in the dinner table because something interesting came up. But I'm going to tell you this. I've been spoiled because I get to when I lived in Texas, I flew almost all the time out of DFW. Great airport. Get around easy. Getting through security is easy. Lots of flights in and out anywhere you want to go. Awesome. Then I moved up to the Northwest where I get to use SeaTac, the Seattle airport. Great. Same thing. Easy to get in and out. It's a newer airport. It's it's nice and clean and updated. Everything. Hell, even when I've flown to L, the Los Angeles area, I've flown into like John Wayne. Now, John Wayne is a small airport. It's not pretty, but it's very easy to navigate, get you where you want to go. But man, LAX, I'm going to tell you, I, I just did Chicago two weeks ago, O'Hare. That one's not good either. <laughs> But that LAX was a mess, dude. LAX was a straight mess. Now, I will say, departing was all right because I was in the Alaska Airline wing, and they've got a nice little like area set up and not too bad. But when I landed in LAX, that was one of the weirdest experiences I have ever had landing from a plane. Like, okay, so, and this is how I described it to Brian. Like, you get off, and the first thing you normally see when you come out of your thing, you're in that first terminal by your or first gate right and you see signs that tell you hey you exit this way or there's baggage claim or ground transportation or whatever right directing you to where you need to go to get out of the airport this just had like signs to other gates and stuff and i'm like okay but then as i'm walking that direction there's like okay there's some escalators obviously i take these to get away from here so let's do that so I get down to the next area, which, you know, is about a two-floor es- escalator, so nothing crazy. But then there's, I, I wanted to call it a map of the of the airport, but it was more just a diagram because it had the three floors or whatever, but nothing, no legend, no telling me where anything was, where to connect anything. It was just, these are the three floors and what they look like. And then there was a thing of, you are here. And I'm like, great, but where the hell is everything else? I know where I am. But I'm like, how do I get out? Right. And what's wild is I'm watching people around me be equally lost. So they've just got their bags on their shoulders or dragging them on the ground. Like anybody who looks like they knew anything, because you know, people are panicking, they're afraid, they're new, they don't know where anything is. So they're just asking people, like, where is this? How do I get out? What is it? And the problem is, if you look straight ahead, there was like not even exaggerating, it felt like a 50 foot probably longer than a 50 foot probably about a 100 foot hallway and then you look the other way there's an equally long hallway that just has like blue walls with like some random like text and stuff on it you know like telling you about different cities but and then there's like a light at the end of each of these hallways there's nothing telling you what the hell is at the end of the hallways (laughs) you just gotta pick one and go so i'm like all right 
I guess if I'm in the wrong spot, hopefully security doesn't arrest me for going somewhere I'm not supposed to be because you got to go somewhere, right? So I just start walking. This is Fortunately, like a I, movie unfolding. It, that's what it felt like. I'm like, man, I'm going to go to one of these things. I'm going to get arrested because they're going to be like, you know, you weren't supposed to be over here. I'm like, man, there was no signs. How do I know where I'm going? So I literally just walked until I got to a thing that like, there was another sign finally that said like, oh, you know, ground transportation this way, you know, because I had to get to the rental car spot. And then finally I was able to kind of like work my way out of it. But dude, I must have walked for like, I don't even, I'm not even joking. I feel from the time I got off that escalator, I felt like I walked another quarter mile. Like, and I know it wasn't maybe about half that far, but like it was a long ass way to get to where I needed to go. And it was like, what is even going on with this airport? And from the locals I talked to about, apparently it's always under construction, like never hasn't been under construction. I guess there's weird terminals that like have small, poor signage that you don't even know where you're supposed to be. And some of them you have to take like a shuttle or something to the other spot. But if you don't see the sign, then you'll miss it. And I'm like, I've been there for, you know, a couple of E3s and can confirm pretty much everything the quad has said. For example, terminal number one, is not connected to any of the other terminals. See, that's what they were telling me. So if you got a connecting flight, you got to go outside and go through the security procedure at, at the next terminal you encounter. Terminals two and three are apparently only connected on one side. So again, you got to go through security if you re-enter. Those ter- the terminals two and three are only connected apparently to each other. Yeah, see, that's awful. Then, of course, you know, the, the horrible situation about just the L.A. traffic in general, public transportation and all of the, Oh, you know, and then the Uber other thing about and, the airport, it's the first international airport I've used that doesn't because, you know, almost everybody uses like a letter and a numbering thing. Right. So you're in like Terminal B, you go to Gate 12 or whatever. Right. Everything here was just straight numbers. There's there's no letters. It's just you go to like Gate 66 or whatever. <laughs> it's like. Who, why, why is the system so different than everybody else? Like, nothing is the same here. And again, because, like you're saying, stuff isn't connected. You don't know if 66 is going to be in this building or if it's two buildings over, you got to connect to because there's nothing telling you that. Because, like, if I'm, say, I'm in like DFW and I'm like, I got to go to gate C12, right? Well, if I'm in the B terminal, I'm like, okay, I figure out how to get to the C terminal because I know my gate's going to be over there, right? There's no indicators in LAX. Like, you're just playing the crapshooter, just walking until you get to a spot that shows you you need to be in another building. <laughs> I was like, man, I don't know how. I don't know how it's this bad. I really don't. So, yeah, I don't recommend it. I would say if you're going to fly in, like I said, if you're going to be in the southern end of LA, fly into John Wayne Airport. If you're going to be in the northern end or maybe West Hollywood, just fly into Burbank because those are going to be my plans in the future. Because, man, I, I don't know how people use LAX regularly. Yeah, you reminded me of talking about airplane stuff. Did you did you hear about the guy on Southwest that apparently airdropped his yes. to the yes. entire I plane? Saw that, I saw that on my phone just before I took off on Thursday. But it's like, well, it wasn't you. <laughs> no, 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 I wasn't on that flight. But, like, but dog, like, it wasn't just that. Like, he, the lady came up to him and asked him. Like, cause I guess a lady quickly identified it was him yeah. because the way he looked or whatever, like all 
you know, squeamish or whatever. <laughs> like, like he's pulling his junk out on the airplane. Yeah. So then, no discreet way to do when the it, when the staff came over and talked to him, his excuse was like, "Oh, I was just having a little fun." Like, bro, like what? <laughs> this, this is twenty twenty two. You'll probably catch a terrorism charge or something for that. Oh, that that or, dude's catching a case of some kind. Yeah, or fifty counts of sexual assault. I mean, then. then these games are not played in public anymore. But dude, like who? Why? Like that's my thing. Like I'm gonna assume he was drunk and or high, and combination of probably was stupid before he started drinking and smoking. Oh, if you watch the footage, like he knows he effed up. Like as soon as the staff comes over, he's already red faced and everything. Like immediately when they start talking to him, like he now knew he was going down. Like, oh. Uh. But imagine being somebody like you got your kids on the plane yeah. or something, right? Like, and they're like, and "Oh, somebody's kids have cell phones or whatever," and they click the thing, and they're like, "What, mom?" Like, yeah. you know, like, like what? Like, dude, yeah, that's crazy. Like, I don't know, man. I gotta say it, but like sometimes y'all white people be wilded out here. <laughs> like, I don't even know what's going on sometimes. Like, and then to just try to play it off like it's cool, like you know, that's oh, I was just having some fun, you know, like whatever. Like, dude. Really? That's all you got to say for yourself? You couldn't be well, like, well, I, mean, oh, I accidentally no... hit the wrong button, or I didn't realize, like, at least play dumb. You know what I mean? Like, there, what are you there, talking he about? He ain't playing. <laughs> there's there's yeah. no playing at all. That was... Like, damn. Like, ugh. Well, all right. I'm, I'm going to step off if and pass this over to you, man. Yeah, I guess uh, it's time for the, the the PBS pledge drive part of the thing. We I don't have any John Denver CDs to send you or anything, but hey, you know, do we don't have any Sarah McLaughlin to play behind you? No, you don't have any of that unless you well unless you got some Sarah McLaughlin on the soundboard. And I'll I, I ain't trying to get us copyright claimed, right? <laughs> gotta watch those, but just you know, hey, we do want to let you know that. We're uh, <laughs> trying to raise funds here. Hate to hate to talk. As y'all know, I, mean, I hate to talk about myself unless it's somewhat humorous. Hate to, hate to just you know be like buy my book, buy my book, self promotion, self promotion. But hey, we gotta you know we gotta eat. And as I mentioned last week, you know we had we, we were completely computerless at one point last week. I didn't know if we were even gonna get this podcast out because. The gaming machine had issues, and thankfully, it's still under warranty. But we did have to just send it in so they can figure out what the problem is. That's fine, you know. We got a laptop. It's not going to probably sound as cool. It's not nearly as powerful, but hey, we got a we got a backup. Then the backup crashed hard. So yeah, we were we we were two days late taping, and I really was like day of we didn't have a computer back yet was not sure thankfully we were able to but hey you know i just want to again that's that's the thing we didn't budget for so we're just trying to you know make sure that we don't (laughs) we don't miss things that don't have anything happen you know that happens because we just didn't have the funds to to fix it quickly i ideally want to get to the point where hey if there's an emergency thing that we got to go get right then i want to be able to go get it and of course still Pay all my bills at the house. It's a dream, you know. We, we the plan is for this to be a thing, you know. Hey, that we, we want to keep bringing it to you. We want to be able to do, you know. Like I said, the dream is full time content creation. So anything y'all can do to help. As I said, I'm not, you know, the <laughs> not the best salesperson, but y'all seem like you like us, you know. Do we need to get you a GoFundMe set up? 
Oh, I mean, I feel like, I feel like we have a Patreon, so I don't. I, yeah, just just send it any any of the extra donations that come in this month. I'm just going to shove them over to Brian's family. I, I appreciate that. So, so if somebody so. sends anything extra this month, or you know, you send something directly to my PayPal that just earmark it, you know, for Brian, like we'll take care of it. And I think that's easy. I can go. handle that. And that's uh, me. This uh, is jumping. Listen, I, I hate, you know, I know um, there's a performer I'm supposed to be. Hey, look at me. Look at this thing. Look at this thing. But that's, you know. It's... But, you know, I, this does bring up a, a real good point, though, you know, that I think sometimes people forget that for creators to be able to do content full time, you know, especially in like gaming, because it's not like when you're doing a lifestyle vlog or whatever, like you kind of can just make up whatever you do around your house or hanging out or doing whatever. Like there's still new games, new equipment, software, you know, new game systems, whatever, like that you have to buy to be able to maintain the status quo of the content. Sudden computer yeah. failures. Just, yeah, <laughs> exactly. And that's the other thing. Right? You have to be able to withstand all those things that happen, you know, where any bump in the road, directly hit your income. And admittedly, this applies to a lot of people who even run their own businesses, right? This is why it's so important for people to go out and support small businesses and, you know, neighborhood stuff and whatever, because those things are super important because if those people miss, like, you know, if Starbucks has a low sales month at a store or whatever, whatever, right? They're going to find a way to cover it, move money from one store to the next, whatever. They're going to be fine. But your neighborhood mom and pop shop that coffee spot ain't going to be able to do that, right? They get thin for a month or two. They're debating if they got to go take out another loan or not. So, you know, I tell people all the time, if there's something you like or something that's small, personal, people you know operated that you enjoy, support those as best you can. Because, like, you know, just like you're saying, Brian, like having to get computers replaced ain't cheap. Hell, I was, I think I told you when I was down in uh, the Hunter Burton last time, like I'd been using a literal 12 year old laptop just as my travel machine to do work and it died. And I was like, I, I guess I just got to go to Best Buy and get a laptop. And for you to have gotten 12 years out of one is phenomenal. <laughs> oh, yeah. Like when I got it, it was near top of the line. So, I mean, it, it, it really literally was top of the line and it worked all the way to being into the bottom. 20% by the time it was dead. So it it got its money's worth. But yeah, it's just one of those things, right? And those are just things you have to absorb. And oh, go ahead. things about, you know, content creation in this space, you know, like you said, you, you need the new thing. You need that computer that can run all, all the fancy programs. In my case, you know, playing Madden, you needed PlayStation 5, Xbox Series X to, to, to do the videos and things and give tips on how these things work and how to how to figure out this last time was literally just tips on how to buy the thing <laughs> where to find it at this was yeah there's so much that's happening right now this is the first time in my you know career creating content where it's okay and raising the money was one thing but even after having raising the money not being able to just walk into the store and buy the thing <laughs> has never happened to me before yeah one of the tough things too that I don't think people realize is, you know, because people ask me all the time how I'm able to put so much content out so fast. Like even on some days, they're like, "Dude, you put out like three or four videos today. How do you even render those that fast?" It's literally because I had to pay to have a faster graphics card, and then on top of that, I have to pay to have like the paid version of the editing software because one of the secrets people don't know 
is if you have the paid version of your editing software, it lets you use your graphics card to process instead of your uh, processor. So if you do that, you get to render at like three to five times as fast, which allows you to get a lot more work done. Yeah. So yeah, I paid the $300, so I get the paid version of DaVinci Resolve so I can render stuff and like, you know, 45-minute videos in like, I don't know, nine to 11 minutes versus being like an hour. That And that's huge, you know, but that's an expense I had to pay for. So sometimes I think people wonder like, okay, I'm giving this person money, but are they just like putting it in savings or what are they doing with it? It's like, no, there's actually real expenses that you have to buy to allow yourself to do better content. I mean, hell, if y'all remember those first, hell, I don't know, maybe 40 episodes, Brian's quality was not the best we upgraded all that like i literally went online sent him a care package like we got them all set up like you know that's where some of the money went you know you just gotta buy equipment so yeah we're, we'll get you hooked up we'll try to get you some money there make sure you're taken care of on all that b <laughs> thank you I mean, I'm, I'm blessing now <laughs> <laughs> all right let's talk about some more fun stuff because it's that time of the week we always like learning things. So why don't we tell everybody what the hell it was that we learned last week, Brian? All right, uh, as you know, uh, July 4th weekend coming up here. So you're going to have a whole bunch of uh, free, well, I guess, free game trials to, to, take, uh, to take a shot. Well, I would say Overwatch 2's beta is out, but actually that beta is it's, uh, it's kind of crowded right now. It's not letting everybody in immediately but if you want to if you, if you want to pay them 40 bucks they'll go ahead and lift the velvet rope and let you in right now which that's not just for the beta that's going to get you i think the first season battle pass couple of skins for buying that and it's, it's a controversial thing but their people are you know they, they figured they could do it and so far yeah i guess enough people I mean, have done it to wear them people are going to play overwatch right and now a rumble verse, which I talked about a little bit, is which is a battle royal, a wrestling themed battle royal. That one is going to start. Let me double check, but I believe it's July eighth. That one is coming back, and that one is actually completely free to get into. And it, as I said, if you like wrestling games, fighting games, or I think you will love this game. It's not your typical battle royal. Again, it's not a shooter. It's not a military style. It is. 40 wrestlers <laughs> fall into this gigantic city. It's called Grapital City, which is super cute. Man, I feel like I'm just going to go broke in that game buying a bunch of ridiculous outfits and skins or whatever. That's what they're counting on. You're going to buy you know, <laughs> giant chicken mask, luchador skins. I've already seen several people that look not unlike Randy Macho Man Savage. So, yeah, I, I want whatever setup they use to do that. It is a whole bunch of, yeah, that's Friday, July 8th. That'll reopen. This time it's going to be 48 hours. And as I said, if you like you know, fighting games at all, especially if you like wrestling games, I think you will absolutely enjoy this. Even if you don't like either of those things, I would say, since I'm going to charge you for it, give it a try. I really feel like you're going to enjoy it. It's I know you're probably, God, not another Battle Royale, but this one really does do a lot of things different. So, yeah, that one is a... Overwatch is happening, you know, and actually, uh, multiverses, which I've mentioned uh, several times, kind of it's very, it's very Smash Bros esque. It's a bunch of Warner Brothers characters all throwing down fighting, but the character list is incredible because it's all the stuff Warner. There's Scooby Doo is in there, 
Superman, and yes, they did embrace the meme. And for Scooby Doo, they have Ultra Instinct Shaggy. Of course, they do. That alone makes it worth trying. But it's an, also a neat thing they embrace the meme because they talked about that. You know, obviously, when you deal with somebody like Warner Brothers that owns the rights to so many different things, they are usually very particular about how their characters are depicted. And we we all know Shaggy Rogers is not actually a Dragon Ball Z character. That's a oh, meme yeah, yeah. That, that came from the Scooby-Doo community. So they had to ask permission, like, okay, we want to put Shaggy in the game, but not Shaggy in any way he's been depicted in your average Scooby-Doo cartoon. And Warner Brothers said, yes, we have seen the memes. By all means, we want this to be successful. Please embrace the meme and give the fans what they want. And what they want is Ultra Instinct Shaggy, possibly using only 1% of his power to body everyone. Seems fair. Because, you know, the yeah. thing about Smash Bros. is there's been, you know, for years, been like, who could even go to, to who could go toe-to-toe with Smash Bros. in terms of characters? And Warner Bros. obviously can. Warner Bros., you could argue, yeah, has yeah. even more iconic characters. You got all the Justice League, all the Cartoon Network characters. There are leaks that Rick and Morty are going to be in the game. And I mean, why wouldn't you put Rick and Morty in there? They're insanely popular. And they're always fighting people, so, you know, they fit. Uh, Game of Thrones characters are in there. Yeah, see, that seems like plenty to work with. See, if that one opens July 2nd, and again, that is a totally (laughs) open beta. The last couple have been closed or just invite only. This one, they're letting everybody in by all. If nothing else, help them test their servers, make sure this game is going to work like they want it to work. Hopefully, it's going to launch sometime soon. So, yeah, definitely a bunch of stuff to download and try out over the holiday weekend and see if you yeah that's a good selection of stuff especially since it's all free you might as well get in and try it uh you know okay so this is a thing that people don't know i i because you know i have my main power dragon youtube channel but i actually have two others that i don't really promote a ton but i have them there almost kind of like if you're one of my full-time regulars like if you know you know kind of a thing (laughs) But also to allow me to experiment with different stuff. So, like, I can shoot video different ways or I can cover different topics or maybe I just want to try different things with, like, my cadence or whatever. I can kind of do that on those channels. Well, one of them is Power Dragon Outdoors, which we'll be adding some more stuff to that again soon. And then I have another that's just Power Dragon Reviews and Reacts, where I just try different foods. I talk about different weird products I bought for my house or whatever and just kind of, like, give people some information to help them make purchases. Well, today I'll be talking about, um, I guess, how do I put this? It's not really what did we learn as much as what we will learn. Because Mr. Beast has a line of chocolates that he calls Feastables. Well, I was like, you know what? It says he has these chocolates. There's only five ingredients. Everybody talks about how good they are. Well, I coincidentally also had some other fancier, we'll call it designer chocolates that I was going to review on the channel. So I'm going to do a Feastables versus the designer chocolate and tell you which one I like better. So if you want to be part of that, you can look that up. It's just Power Dragon Reviews and Reacts over on the YouTubes. I'll probably have that up over the weekend, most likely. But yeah, just going to try it out. I mean, Mr. Beast has been successful damn near everything else he's touched. I have no reason to think that the chocolates won't be good either. <laughs> you know, like, might as well be. I mean, the dude's literally turning into Midas at this point. I mean, I don't even know if you saw it. He's got... Well, he has like six or seven channels, but one is a philanthropy channel that literally every dollar it earns goes back to some philanthropic cause. 
he's actually has a YouTube channel just to fund itself so he can keep helping other people. I mean, and sounds like a totally righteous dude. Oh yeah, one of the things he did recently went over to oh gosh, one of one of the areas in in like mid Africa. And these two areas near nearby or one of the areas where they just don't, they, you know, it's like dirty water or the people have to travel really far to like the, the working rivers and stuff. So literally spent like a couple million dollars, like drilling. I think one well had to be 150 feet. Another one had to be like 230 feet, something like that. And just so those people could have access to clean water. And like now it's enough to where like daily, I think he said it's enough that each person in the village can get two to three liters of water per day clean. And I'm like, dude, this guy's just doing amazing work out here. Like literally saving lives. And I was like, I, I, I'm whatever. I, I hope nothing dirty ever comes out about Mr. Beast. I really do. Like he's one that like, when they tell you like the meme, protect this man at all costs. Like, right. <laughs> that's what I feel like when I watch it. I'm like, Somebody just keep him on the right path. Like, don't let him screw up because, like, he is doing too many good things, being too many good examples to people. Other people are starting to market their content after him, which is awesome. So, yeah. So, yeah, I'm hoping, I'm pulling for him, hoping these feastables are good, but we're going to find out later this week. I, I think they're going to be good, but we'll find out. So, well, you never know. But uh, let's go ahead and get into the rest of the show here with these. We have some pretty interesting topics to talk about this week. So, you know, Brian, one of the things we talk about, obviously, is how we've had a problem with conventions having, y'all can't see my air quotes, but I'm saying <laughs> diversity, diversity panels that weren't very diverse, right? Like, that's been a very common theme that's popped up more than once. Well, an interesting thing is, you know, because I've I've built up a little bit of an audience the last couple of years. So I was like, you know what? Let me apply and see if I could get a press badge for PAX West. Because, you know, I'm not that far away. I could just drive there. So seems reasonable. It's a convention. I drivable in my backyard. Might as well go check it out. Well, I've obviously been busy with the L.A. trip or whatever. and didn't get around to it. But when I got to checking emails this week, when I was getting down to normal business, a very interesting thing happened. Turns out, I had an email from PAX West, which I was like, weird, because I started thinking in my head, I'm like, I knew I was going to send them an email, but I hadn't sent it yet. So why do I have an email from PAX West? Well, turns out, they actually are reaching out to diverse creators. Like, they're getting ahead of the game, and they're actually asking us if we would like to apply and register for media badges, which is pretty cool. And then on top of that, they're even letting us submit ideas for panels, and they're making a requirement that the panels have to have either a topic for diversity or a diverse group of people on the panel. And uh, that's a why not both. <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you can, you do both, right? But like the fact that they're even taking the initiative and saying, one, specifically, we want to make sure that your community gets reach of our convention. And then two, we want to go to the source of the people that say or feel there's a need to come up with the panel ideas and feed those panels. Like, 
they're doing all the things you would want a convention to do. Now, this isn't to say they're not still going to have all their other stuff, which they still should, right? They're still going to have all their different guests. They're going to have all their different video game previews. They're going to have all that stuff, right? They're still going to have all the different web shows and TV shows there, whatever. This is just adding to the show in a way of saying, like, particularly, they've obviously allocated some amount of money to say, like, no, we want to make sure that this part of the community gets some level of representation at our event. Like, I, I got to give a thumbs up to that. Like, I, I got nothing to complain about, honestly. And they're even giving you plenty of time. That's the other thing, because their convention isn't until September. It's Labor Day weekend. And they're letting you submit for basically from the time I got the email, two weeks for sub- submitting stuff for panels and stuff. Because one of the problems you get sometimes is people last minute remember like, oh, yeah, we probably should do one of these things. And then, but we need your stuff by Monday. And you're like, yeah. bro, that's like three days. Like, you know, like you give it to me on Friday and you need it on Monday. Like, come on. This is cool, though. Like, it's giving you plenty of time to plan, prep, figure out what you could do, whatever. Maybe if you got to talk to somebody you work with or whatever. Like, I, I'm digging all this. Like, I'm, I'm kind of surprised, to be honest. People Maybe I should like be this. because they're yeah, based I mean, in the Seattle area, but you know. Anyway, what were you saying, Brian? As I said, people seem like they like us. <laughs> yeah. yeah, like it's it's such a surprising thing, you know. I not to not to toot. Well, I guess we've talked about this. People of color have to toot their own horn, else uh, you know we don't get invited to stuff. So we we, we toot toot, you know. <laughs> yeah, you're right. I mean, that's totally fair. You know, and you know, kind of bring it back to the 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 cookout, if you will, that we did this weekend. It was kind of interesting to see that almost everybody was kind of excited to be there just because it was like, hey, I get to spend time collaborating with a bunch of other black creators. And and these weren't even all creators that are just doing like YouTube stuff. Like they were, a couple of them are like cosplayers and some of them are D&D players. A couple of them weren't even in the game industry. A couple of them are doing like they're like sound engineers and one like film stuff in for like Amazon TV shows or whatever. And but it was cool just to have like that diverse group of creatives that came from different backgrounds that everybody was able to learn from each other and whatever. And a lot of them said the same thing, like, oh, I was getting into magic or whatever, and I I just followed your stuff because you were one of the only ones I could find or whatever, you know? And I was like, well, that's cool and terrible <laughs> like, yeah, you know, at yeah. the same time, right? So, yeah, it's just interesting. So it's pretty cool to just be like, hey, somebody's taking the initiative at these conventions and saying like, Hey, we're trying to fix this problem. Now, I don't know who all they reach out to. I don't know how many people they reach out to. I just know that this is a thing that's at least happening. And that's pretty cool. And actually, that's not totally true. I know one other person that did get one. So they may just be rolling them out throughout the week or whatever, or maybe the person as they discover different people in different games or whatever, they're reaching out to people. I don't know. But yeah, I don't know. I'm pretty... I'm pretty stoked about this. Like, even if I don't get accepted for a panel or whatever, like the idea that they're at least entertaining the idea and are seeding their events with these makes me feel good. We're getting the panel, dog. We know we just gotta figure out what we want to talk about. And between the two of us, I'm sure we'll come up with something. Yeah. Several things. Yeah, and here's the other thing too. It says they have they're allowing both in-person and pre-recorded options. So I gotta figure out what that means. Like 
if you're not going to be there in person, does it mean you have to like submit a video that people can watch for like 20 minutes? Or can you do like a Zoom thing that's just on a big screen and maybe you answer questions from a live audience? Like, I was going to say, that sounds like that'd be easier than pre-recorded. Yeah, so I don't really know. I may need to reach out to them and ask ask questions because I don't, that, I don't know what it's the, the best part of a panel to me is being able to actually talk face to face, you know, with your with with the with the actor, content creator, or whoever is you know doing the panel. Yeah, that's the biggest thing to me is just like being able to ask those questions, particularly because there's going to be some stuff on the fly that because of what they presented, you get an idea or a thought for a question. It's like, oh yeah, and since the person's here, you go ahead and just. Let me get it straight from the horse's mouth, you know. But yeah, I don't know. This this is pretty neat though. But yeah, it says like something you're passionate about, a live episode of your show, or if you have a podcast, or a proposal for a professional workshop to take place on that weekend or whatever. So they're literally opening up to all types of stuff. So like I guess if you're a cosplayer or maybe you're a person who makes like tabletop gaming terrain or whatever, you could set up a thing on just like showing people how you do what you do or whatever, maybe. So, yeah, this is neat. And honestly, this also stands out to me a little bit because the last couple of times PAX West has felt to me very much like a place for just like a bunch of demos, right? Like a bunch of video game stuff. There's some there's some board game stuff. Maybe there's like a magic or card game area set up. But it didn't feel like the normal convention. Like if I go to Gen Con, there's literally like something happening in every room and there's presentations and panels and whatever, like 24-7 and a big like signing area and all this, right? And I felt like that was, those extras were a little bit lesser at PAX the last time. And I admit it, they haven't been since the pandemic. But this could actually be also a little bit of changing of the guard too, it sort of feels like. That they're putting more emphasis on the, I guess, creative panel side other than just like, hey, let's show off all the new sweet things and make the video games just the centerpiece for all of it. So much stuff is getting delayed or is, you know, just in a holding pattern. People are, you know, people are having to, there's layoffs. So yeah, the good thing about having to slow or stop everything for two years is that it's given, it's given the opportunity to to look at new ways of doing it. They like how we talked about E3. E3 was already in a state of flux. So they've kind of taken this opportunity to revisit, Hey, how do we want to do things? If we, if we end up coming back next year, for example, you know, it's funny you say that that might be part of the reason too. If just like, maybe they're also problem solving, right? Maybe you had one or two of your big events or big uh, companies that were going to present some new game. Say like, Hey, you know, we bought that whatever. Cause some of them buy huge booth space. Some, you yeah. know, we bought that 300 square foot booth, but this game ain't coming out. Yeah, <laughs> we're really not going to release for like another 18 months. You know, it's like, oh, well, okay, cool. So now we need to take you off the marquee because you're not really a draw anymore. You know, like maybe this is it's like, hey, we're going to add way more panels and other cool stuff. So you still have a reason to come show up, something to do all day, even if it's not just see the top, like, I don't know, 10 or 15 upcoming video game releases. So yeah, I don't know. I'm I'm pretty jacked about it. Like it's a neat idea. It's good to see somebody actually doing it and taking the initiative. Because like we talk about all the time, right? If we're gonna knock people for things, we also have to praise people for doing the good things, and that feels like it's very much praiseworthy. Yeah. Now we're at that point already. I think we're about a week away from seeing 
Double Masters 2 come out. Or I guess we're calling it Double Masters 2022. I don't know why we have to put a date. We can't just call so it Double Masters twos. 2. But whatever. And honestly, outside of like some... And again, I'm probably going to do a video and break things down on it. Because there are some junky cards in there. But aside from that handful of junky stuff, Seth's got some bombs. Enough to the point that in the last week's time... The price on Double Masters has gone up about $100 on a booster box. So there was a point that if you were savvy and pre-order early, you could have got them for the ballpark of like $250, $270. Now you're going to be lucky to find one under $350. Like, there's a lot of good stuff in these boxes, dog. Like, it's crazy. Now, some people are saying, well, don't buy it. The price is going to come down on the boxes or whatever. I'm going to say this, like, I, if it comes down, they're not going to come down a lot because there's going to be a limited supply. Nobody, I'm already talking to people, some are saying they're not going to get restocked on it. Some that are saying they're going to get restocked, but they're not expecting a huge one. So, I mean, I'd expect this stuff to sell out probably in the first two to three months for most retailers or the ones that still have product will probably increase their prices just to slow down the sales because, you know, that's what you do. So, yeah, I don't know, man. I think this is pretty good. The downside or the good side, I don't know, depending on how you view this, is it hammered Commander Legends Baldur's Gate. I mean, because really, if you think about it, the set came out while we were in Richmond, right? That was the pre-release weekend for the set, like two weeks ago. By Monday, we already had like a handful of previews for Double Masters out. Like the set literally, you want to talk about like the body wasn't even cold yet? Hell, this body, I'm not even sure it was done incubating yet. And we're already talking about double masters, right? So that didn't do it any favors. I think the other thing, too, about Commander Legends, it was at a fairly normal power level. And I think it it's the type of set that already we're already seeing people talk about a lot of cards in the set that have been overlooked. So I feel like this is going to be one of those sets that right now nobody's paying attention to it. And a lot of people aren't buying it for good reason. They're trying to save up money for Commander Legends because the set's ridiculous. But I feel like that's going to mean in the long run, that's going to make some of this stuff more valuable because there's going to be less of it out there. Especially as people start going like, oh, that card's pretty sweet. Where'd you get it from? Like, oh, that's from Commander Legends Baldur's Gate. Oh, okay. Oh, that card's pretty sweet. Where'd that come from? Oh, it's from Commander Legends Baldur's Gate, right? There's going to be a lot of those conversations, I'm pretty sure. But... Even if not, if you want a box, Brian, before we went live, I just saw that there were multiple places advertising boxes for $75. Wait, which boxes? Commander Legends Baldur's Gate. Okay. You can get a 24, I believe it's a 24-pack booster box, $75. It's like, uh, dare I say, 1990s, early 2000s pricing? Yeah, that's below the actual cost to the retailer. Yeah, I was paying that for, seriously, they were playing that for Raw Deal and, and Busted Car Games 20 yeah. years ago. So, like, you almost can't go wrong. Because, like, even all you need is, like, a handful of cards to end up being playable or whatever, and you're going to make money at $75. And that's if you don't hit one of the already, like, big cards, obviously. Some of the 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 mythics are pretty big in this set. You can make some money on those. But yeah, you just need a handful of rares to actually do anything. 
So again, I'm not saying just rush out and buy it, but it's like, hey, if you're looking at stuff and going, ah, I can double masters a little bit too pricey, too rich for me, but you know, you want to get some stuff for Commander and some neat tools for different stuff, or maybe you want to get some extra cards for your friends or family to build from to play Commander with you. I don't know when we're going to see a booster box below 75 or below $80, you know, but we don't pick them up at 75. That's real good. And these are all different. I've seen them with like local vendors. Like, hell, I think uh, Channel Fireball was selling at $75. Or not Channel Fireball, uh, Star City, I think. Because I was pretty sure it was Blin Blyweiss' uh, Twitter account where he had posted that. I love the format's grown to a point where it can support its own, you know, (laughs) its own booster pack product. That's. Yeah, that's where we are right now. Yeah, that's a big deal. I, as I mentioned, I've played a lot of uh, a lot of card games. I don't know very many where your uh, your primarily casual format can kind of carry its its own sets. Yeah, so I'm looking right here. Uh, ben Blyweiss's Twitter account. He's posting set boxes at seventy five. You can actually get draft boxes even cheaper at seventy dollars if you just want draft boosters. So yeah, like th- you're not gonna find deals like this. You're just I mean, not helping. Really, just the, the whole format is, I guess, one of the best stories in gaming in terms of how it's something that really just grew organically. And unlike a lot of things, you know, that grow organically, that the company didn't didn't kill it. They didn't WWE it. Like they embraced it, and now it's you know it's one of the one of the most popular. I guess probably is we say like I guess. Probably second most popular format, or is it? Or is it first? I don't know. I don't know where oh, it's definitely the, it's definitely the most popular at this point. Okay. Oh, also, randomly, not to promote somebody else's website, but this isn't hurting anything because it's sealed product, and I don't think we have a sponsor for sealed product. But Commander decks, if you want to get those over at Star City, their flash sale for the weekend looks like it's going to be twelve dollars on two of the different decks. If you want to pick up some Commander decks over there as well. Um, Actually, I kind of want to interrupt this thing we're talking about here, Brian, because I just saw another news story come across that, from a content creation standpoint, might be worth talking about. I need that, like, breaking news. Dun, 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 dun. You know, uh, turns out just that... In. Yeah, exactly. An FCC commission is calling for Apple and Google to remove TikTok from their app stores. What? Yeah, I did not see this either. This is literally... I'm just reading this right now. Uh... Yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to figure out what they did. Right? That's like... But I guess they're. it's being reviewed by the FCC as being a sophisticated tool for harvesting user data to be seen in China. So I guess there's something about the way it's being used that the FCC is questioning its security purposes and what China may or may not be doing with that data. Now, I guess uh, there's my, my, my head is just just buzzing from all the different stories and angles. But I guess obviously security and I'm not, you know, I am not a security expert. So the thing well, about my jumps to is, OK, if you're a, a TikTok content creator, this is this is nightmarish for you. Here's the thing that we've talked about it before, right? Lots of people have had. Their videos being suppressed. A lot of people have had their stuff just not shared at all. I, like I told you, there was a dude I followed who even he found successful live TikToks, even modeled his sets after some of those. 
to say like, okay, it has this type of stuff in the background. The person's wearing this type of clothing, whatever. And then his stuff wasn't getting shared or promoted. Even with the same size audience and everything. Right. So like somebody on that side is actively doing stuff for some reason anyway, and they want certain things seen and not seen. So I would not be surprised if there's something to this with the FCC. Yeah, there's going to be <laughs> that is that is mind blowing. Definitely something we will be <laughs> following up on is because, again, that changes the game for so many people. Yeah. Now, does it go far enough that we remove them from the Google and Apple app stores? I don't know. I mean, that's, that'll probably be a hard-pressed thing. But, I mean, if you're Google and Apple and the government says, hey, we have this problem, they're probably going to remove it. Yeah, I would, I would think so. And the thing is, too, we've said this before, like, unless you were super huge with a ungodly amount of views on TikTok, you weren't really making any money anyway. Like, I don't know if you know the guy. He does a bunch of science stuff. His name is Hank Green. He's been around forever on the Internet. Like, he has a pretty big TikTok following, and he even did a video that I think he actually did on YouTube as well, talking about, you know, at his level, he gets a couple million views, and he still wasn't making that much on TikTok. Wow. That's, so, you that's know, crazy. It's, yeah, so it's like, does it even benefit you to be, I mean, I guess it benefits you to be really big on TikTok, but most people I know who are getting anything out of it, they're just using it as another advertising vehicle anyway. I mean, because that's basically all I'm doing is, like, when I have something sweet going on on, like, youtube or twitter or whatever i'm doing a giveaway i'll like go share it on tiktok and talk about it but i had very little that i would say was like exclusive original like tiktok content i still had a couple thousand followers over there so i don't know so yeah man i don't know this like i said this random news story just i just saw it but figured it was at least worth bringing up for people to know because this affects a lot of content creators for sure and most you know of- as, as we talked about uh, Commander and different former thing, you reminded me of something that, that I made a note on, and it, the note, I guess, didn't help me until now because I still forgot about it till we talked about uh, Commander and stuff. Did you see the the, the guy that, that uh, won the Command Fest Brawl Tournament to be the only entrant? That's probably yes. The second or third time that's happened to him. That was the crazy part. It was the second time. So that's a dude so- has now attended two major events that had a brawl tournament at it ended up being the only entrant and got to be the winner and collect prizes for two tournaments. So at, at what point did they just take, uh, to take brawl out behind the barn and <laughs> just put uh, it into it? That's kind of amusing though, that, I mean, that's Dude. great for him. That is, that is outstanding. I'm just wondering how was nobody else savvy enough to look and be like, oh, it only has one person signed up. And then just sign up. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it, like well, I'm going to be worse. I'm going to get, you know, even if it filled up to eight to, to make it an official tournament, you're still going to, at worst, get eighth place prizes. Like, that just seemed like some gamers ain't gaming the system hard enough. So, so was that legit paying all the way down to eighth place? Even I think the- so. Okay. But obviously, you know, he wins. He just collects first place prize because he signed up. He's the only one there. I guess that's how they do or it. Does he get all eight prizes? <laughs> no, I've never seen a thing give all eight. But okay. like when tournaments have been short, like I had like a top four, I at least let them play and we just gave away first through fourth. Oh, and, okay. you know, they got that or whatever. So, yeah, I don't know. Lots of weird stuff going on, man. But this TikTok thing, that's definitely something to keep an eye on. Uh, the thing for me is there are some actual good people doing some good stuff over on TikTok, like people that raise money for different causes, 
people that just bring awareness to problematic news, you know, a lot of stuff like that that's over there. So that's a little tough for those folks. I'd hate to see those go away because there's some people doing really good things. Now, admittedly, I would say the better part of like 90% of TikTok is just people just goofing, you know, and that's fine. That's what it's there for. But that other 10%, you know, it's split between like some educational stuff, like I said, some news awareness, just some interesting things. That are, there is also probably one or 2% that's just like the hate fueled whatever, which pops up, you know. You've, you've got the supremacists that apparently follow all the colored creators over there to try to raise hell all the time, which is so weird. But that's a thing that happens. So TikTok does have its real problems that they don't really want to do anything about. So who the hell knows? But yeah, FCC coming after TikTok, man. Weird. And yeah, if you want to get you some Commander Legends this weekend, you can go out and get some kind of cheap. People are running some weekend sales, some 4th of July stuff. And partly because of just sales cycles, some of these retailers and vendors have bills due every 30, 45 days with their suppliers. So they're looking to just get out of as much of this as they can, pay off that related bill, even if they got to take a 5 or $8 loss on some of these boxes. And it allows them to be better liquid and funded for uh, Double Masters 2 that's coming. So you get to do them a favor, and you get some product on the cheap. And I'll be honest, I wasn't even sitting on any Commander Legends Baldur's Gate, but now... I might go get a box. If you can give it to me cheap enough, I might go get a box. All right, we have a couple more things to touch on here, though. Sorry I got sidetracked with that bit of news there. That's important. All right, so we do talk about tabletop gaming and other stuff, but there is another type of gambling in the... Gaming? Gambling? Gambling? However you want to say that. (laughs) In the form of poker. And we do have several Magic players that happen to be poker players. And if you know anything about anything... This is the time of the World Series of Poker happening in Las Vegas. So the World Series of Poker is basically a series. Uh, the number keeps increasing every year, it seems like. It did decrease once or twice. But, you know, anywhere from 30-plus events that happen over the course of the summer, usually starting in uh, late May, early June, and running until July, and then the final eight of the main, or final table of the main event, going on in either August, September, October, depending on other things, contracts and whatnot. Well... This year, they decided to move everything from the Rio, all suites and casino, as they call it, uh, to Bally's and whatever the other neighboring property is to Bally's. Well, it turns out uh, they weren't quite prepared to handle what's going on. So if you've been following Twitter the last couple of days, especially today, they've started getting toward the end of the series. You have the, the main event coming up soon. And a lot of people sort of show up a couple of days before and they'll play a few of those extra tournaments leading up to the world series just to like get warmed up get familiar with the property you know all that stuff and apparently they've got a bunch of people crammed into these rooms where don't seem like sufficient size from the sound of things and their acs aren't working properly what now yeah so now okay first off if you've ever been it's not like bally's is a new property so it is what it is but you've got the world series of poker coming and the world series draws a couple 10,000 bodies over the course of this tournament or tournament series. So you're going to see lots of people. And it's on TV. Oh, yeah. And you're going to get lots of money because they're all buying hotel rooms. They're all eating at your restaurants and shopping. Some of them are bringing families. So it's it's a big deal. And this is just going to end up being a cluster. Like, there's just no way this. Like, I mean, this is going to cost them money. 
because people are going to yeah, end up. I mean, how do you not just write whatever check is necessary to get that fixed? Oh, I'm with you. Like, I, if somebody told me they couldn't fix it, I'd call the next person. Right. And then I call the next person. Hell, I might even just tell them, like, look, you just, how many does it cost me to get four or five more 20 ton units? And we're just putting those on the building right now. Let like, your powers combine. If we need yep. multiple air conditioning companies working yep. on this. You get me whatever crew. If you need 10 people, I will pay for 10 people. Like you get them up here and get these fixed. Cause man, you're talking about, cause they, cause here's the thing. They might just be like, F it. I don't want to play the rest of the world series in these conditions, but I'm already in town. I'm going to go spend my gambling money, my food money somewhere else. Cause I'll tell you, I've been to Vegas. There ain't a shortage. No. Hell just on the strip alone. There's like 30 properties. So if somebody doesn't want to be at your spot, they'll find one. Hell, I was going to say down the road, but they only got to go like one block. Exactly. They're just I mean, doing springing from the ground every day in Vegas. Yeah. So it's it's a thing. You know, and we do have some fairly popular Magic players or former Magic players that are playing in the series. So, and I follow some of them like Eric Froelich, David Williams, you know. And one of the things that's funny is David Williams just posted about an hour ago. He says like, I wonder if this these conditions are to encourage people just to try to get their money in and get out real quick in these tournaments, <laughs> which is kind of sad, but yeah, I get it that way, but I guess that could be. Yeah. He's just trying to like make light of the situation. Cause it's such a mess. I don't blame him, but yeah, man, this, this is, and here's the other thing too. I don't think people realize that it's not about just the human condition of the heat and everything else. Cause it already gets way hot, obviously down there, but you start to have issues. Cause like, when it gets hot in the room, you're going to start getting condensation and fogging on your lenses, on your cameras. Like your equipment starts to overheat. Like there's a lot of other problems that come with that. So you're definitely going to have production issues and other things, which are going to suck if this it's continues. A bunch of computers being used to say uh, t- televised and stream and put that on every every form of media known to humankind. Yeah, and then the terrible part is. If any of those things start breaking down, it's going to make the conditions worse. Because then now you got to wait till you reboot everything, and then you know you're gonna have people waiting around. Like you're not going to be able to move up levels in these tournaments or whatever because everything's on a timer. Like it's, it's yeah, just not great, man. Just you not know, great. We, we got the worm eating its or the snake eating its own tail in terms of people can gamble on who's going to win gambling. So you know, they ain't going to be happy with you if people just start going F it and not finishing their tournament. Yeah, that's true. And it looks like for the comments, this has been a thing going on. Let's see. They're saying a month in and they still can't figure out the air. So I guess they were having some issues earlier over the last couple of weeks as well. So they've had a whole lot of time to figure out a resolution and just. Yeah, that's uh, inexcusable. Like there's. Like, I get it if it just broke down today, right? That Because that happens. Like, just sometimes your equipment goes out. But if we're multiple weeks in, I mean, unless you legit cannot find somebody to deliver an AC unit, I mean, and that's assuming the unit needs to be replaced. Otherwise, just find somebody to repair it, refill it with Freon, whatever it is you got to do. But, like, yeah, that's a mess. I feel bad for the people who made that trip, especially right now. If you've been sitting at home during COVID and whatever, and you've been playing online events or whatever, and you're like, you know what? I'm just finally going to go down, deal with people, whatever. And this is what your first reintroduction to society is like. Yeah. All you're going to be thinking is like, man, I should have left my happy ass at home. <laughs> and that, I mean, that's going to probably end up being the main story unless something just 
bonkers happens in the, in the tournament itself. Just absolutely something could, but that's that's yeah. all reason we're talking about it today. <laughs> absolutely bizarre absolutely. that is. And not only that, you've got like coverage crews that are gonna have to deal with this and everything else. Like, uh, I feel bad for everybody involved. That's just not a play. And hell, believe me, I've been through a summer in Texas where I had to keep getting my ACs replaced and they were having issues or whatever. And it was not the best experience. So, I mean, and we were in a space that was trying to put in 10,000 people or whatever. You know, like it's, it's, oof, oof. I, it's, it's going to be a rough summer down there for the World Series of Poker. But anyway, Brian, you were telling me you had a very interesting baseball experience. Yeah, I was uh, playing MLB 2K, uh, or not 2K, <laughs> MLB 22, the show, getting my game confused. And uh, just n- another case of, of the racism that we see in gaming every day, guy. I didn't think anything of it first, but Jackie Robinson comes up to bat and he hits Jackie Robinson upside the head. Now, obviously, you're, you're hitting you're hitting people with the balls. I mean, I hit a couple of batters in the same game because I'm not really good at pitching. Then Jackie Robinson comes up to bat again. <laughs> And he points him again. So, yeah, you see where we're going with this. All four times Jackie Robinson came to bat, plunked him with the baseball. So it's obvious you know, he's throwing the ball at Jackie Robinson's head to be racist. Like, how petty do you have to be? Like, I'm just thinking, like, how much do I have to hate someone or some class of someone where I'm like, you know what? F that dude in the game. I'm gonna hit him every time. Like, how? Yeah, because we're not in we're not in voice chat. I don't have an avatar that, that that lets him know that I'm black. He's just plunking Jackie Robinson. For all he knows, I'm a, I'm a white guy. But that's what I'm saying. Like Jackie Robinson comes up. Like how much you, the level of hate you have to be carrying to just be like. Nah, not this time, Robinson. Or whatever. <laughs> just like like every time you see him in the game, you're like, nope, I'm gonna bean this dude every time. Like, F this guy. But to the like, point where I, you're gonna risk losing the game, because that's four free base runners every single time. Yeah. Like, I'm trying to think of like what athlete at all that I hate that much. Like, man, I don't even know if there is one. Like, I mean, I don't know, maybe some Philadelphia Eagles player or something. Like, I don't know. But, like, even then, I wouldn't be, like, in the game. Like, you know what? I'm going to try to hurt this guy every time I tackle him or something. Like, I like that's so weird. That's so weird. <laughs> no reason to do that other than to be racist. And I don't know if they do that every time they see it. Because, I mean, a fair one. They gave Jackie Robinson's card away for free on Jackie Robinson Day. So it's a card, I'm going to guess. Almost everybody that plays the game has. So if they just want to, yeah, I guess it's worth it. Okay, so some questions. Did he hit anybody else on your team? Nobody else. It was blatantly obvious what was happening. And so, I, I guess they, they had pinpoint control. Because, for example, if I want to be in a batter, I can't I can't do that perfectly. I can get in the general area, but to consistently hit somebody with it, I can aim for somebody and not hit them every time. I'm not that good at pitching. Okay, so, so this, this person, person had control, yeah. had the trick pitches, could get it over the plate, whatever, but only didn't when Robinson was up. Yeah, that's just a targeted thing. 
Did you now? Okay, did you have any other star players on your team? Oh, it, it's an ultimate team, obviously. Yeah, oh yeah, then you had plenty of people you could have hit otherwise. Then. Exactly. Because I, I was thinking maybe it's strategic because he's trying not to give up like a big home run. But like if you're playing ultimate team, you've got like four or five other people that are going to be capable or have better numbers. Because I actually have I have Robinson batting second, so the, the big boys don't even start batting until three through five. So he literally is putting somebody on base for my home run hitters to probably come up and drive in. Yeah, that's just they, man. they hate or they apparently have decided they hate Jackie Robinson so much they're willing to throw the game to do that. I mean, I guess so. I mean, petty man. You talk about being petty. Like every day, I figure like, and I I apologize for some stuff I do because I'm like I know this is kind of petty or whatever. But then I realize crap like this is in the world. I'm like, man, I ain't even a little bit petty. I ain't even on that level. Like this this person's operating. Like this person almost needs a medal for petty. Like I don't even understand how like. That's just deep rooted, man. I don't man. know if they do that every time they play because again, that would seem like they would get old. Because as I said, it's a free card; it's a good card. A lot. I'm going to say probably forty to fifty percent of the people playing MLB are running the Jackie Robinson card because in addition to being, you know, the, the man that integrated baseball, he was an incredible player. Yeah, that's just so amusing. I don't know. This is the stuff I talk about, right? Like why, why we even have the show to talk about these issues is that these types of things are out there. Like when you talk about, no, people aren't that bad or there's racism. Isn't that big. Or there's not like there's people taking racism to this level. Like, Nope. You're playing with this iconic dude who did all these things for black people. No, we're going to hit him every single time he comes up to bat. Like that's somebody on the other side of that game. That's got problems. For real. Crazy stuff, man. I don't like fortunately, it's kind of good you weren't on voice and the person didn't know who you were or whatever, because it probably would have just been amplified yeah. stupidity. So it's probably I, for I, the I, best. I, I'd have probably said something I, I would regret, but I definitely, you know, I thought I'd bring it bring it to y'all's attention because as I said, this is why we're here. This is the kind of stuff we deal with all the time. I've uploaded a couple of videos of this kind of stuff on my YouTube channel just this is, you know, the, the case people think we're making this stuff up. Yep. I, it's tough, man. But that's why we tell folks, like, you, you, if you don't experience it, you just don't see it. Right? And I always tell people, like, don't feel bad because you don't know it or you don't see it. Because if it doesn't happen, you just don't know. But it was, it was the second time they hit it before I even realized what was happening. The first time, like, okay, you know, they just lost, they just lost the ball. I've done that a million times. Second time, like, okay, this is clearly intentional. Well, that's what I'm saying. I probably wouldn't even have noticed for a little bit until I went, is that the only person that's been hit by a pitch this game? Right? <laughs> and then I might have been like, wait, so I've got two on and you still threw a pitch at my dude? Like, what the hell? You know, like, I mean, like, then it would have probably clicked and I'd been like, wait a minute. You know, yeah, that's pretty effed up, though. All right, let's let's wrap things up here, Brian, and bring this to the dinner table because you know, kind of how I alluded to at the beginning of the show. One of the things we did while we were in LA is we talked about just content, or or honestly, almost when we're just creative aspect of things in entertainment for black folks, right? The way we have to approach things, 
the conversations we have to have, how we have to present stuff. And, you know, you might know this a little better than I do because I've only had to do a couple of things in a truly professional setting. But one of the conversation pieces that came up was that pretty much everything from the setup or presentation purposes for television, for movies, whatever, is pretty much done with white people in mind. And it's not something I immediately thought about, but I feel like I inherently figured out. And it started with lighting, you know, because I looked at a bunch of reviews and listened to people talk about how to set up lighting, whatever. And you can even see it in the progression of my videos, how early on I was going through a lot of lighting adjustments and changing and testing stuff to figure out that, wait a minute, I have to make these lighting adjustments because all the instructions that people are giving are for white or pale skin tones. I so remember an uh, incident mm -hmm. where, if you remember Connect back when everybody was desperately trying to emulate the Wii Success to do motion control, there yeah. were uh, times where Connect wouldn't even recognize black people standing in front of it. Yeah, that's another good example, right? Where a lot of things are taken into account for just white skin, white presentation, look, whatever. To the point where in this group, like I said, we had some people who actually do stuff on TV sets and movie sets. And they talked about how some black folks had been kind of bothered by how they looked on camera a little bit and then got to where they were bringing their own makeup artists. Yep. You know, or asking the to. studio or the director, like, hey, the producer, like, hey, can we make sure that there's people who have experience doing makeup on black folks, you know, in in the trailers or whatever. And it was one of those things that I was like, ah, I guess so. That would be pretty weird. Cause I could, hair, you know, hair yeah. is another huge one. Cause everybody Definitely. can do black people's hair. This is just the Absolutely. fact that they stand. It's just, everybody cannot mess with anything. It. It's possible to be a Hollywood stylist. And you, if, if you could never do black hair, you can still become a millionaire doing hairstyles. Cause that's, you know, who, who everything is primarily set up for. Oh, for sure. But here's another interesting thing, right? Even even music, right? Because one of the people there was a music producer. And, you know, we talked about different stuff and I show, sampled them some things that I've used for that were like free online for my content or whatever. And I told them, like, I kind of want to change the background music for my intro and outro when I'm talking to the audience. I said, you know, I just want something that's got like a simple boom bap to it with a little bit of jazz kind of mixed in. And he was like, say no more. I got you, fam. Right. But like explaining that to somebody else. They're like, okay, well, can you give me some more samples? Can you show me like some artists and blah, blah, blah. Like, but I literally said those and he's like, I know exactly what you're talking about. You know what I mean? Like even that is just one, just culturally the difference is there. Like there's no labels for those types of things I wanted, you know, on a lot of the sites. So just like having another music producer that understood like the culture and the language was just like, oh yeah, I know totally what that sounds like. I can get you something. Candace Patton, who uh, plays Iris West Allen on The Flash on CW, mentioned, I think it's just within the past year or two that they bothered to hire any black hairstylist. And by the way, about half of The Flash's cast is black. <laughs> if you've never seen the show, Barry Allen gets adopted by a black family. And you know what? That probably came about because they probably were trying to teach other people and probably yeah. just finally said, like, you know, it'd be easier if you just got a black hairstylist. Yeah, Candace, you got anybody you like to, who does your hair ordinarily? Would you like to bring them in here? It's probably something like... What yeah, get them paid. Shoot, they get them yeah. TV contracts, you know, 
Let them make some real money. And and not just the hair, but you mentioned there was a, a holiday episode where they brought on, you know, a, a, a auntie, basically. And uh, the writers clearly had no idea what type of foods black people eat around the holidays because what they decided that Auntie West should cook was some sort of weird noodle casserole that, that, that no, you, you, you can't nah, bring it. You, you, you got some collards, you got some cornbread, you, you 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 might have some some oxtails or something going right. on. Like, you know, for real. Like so what do you they brought this in here and all the black actors in the cast had to really, yeah, this is the best noodle casserole ever. You put your foot in this. Yep. You probably somebody probably said you probably put your foot up in it, and people yeah. probably went, What? Why? No, why nobody's putting their foot in anything. It's like, no, <laughs> no. they definitely put their foot in this if it's good. Yeah. yeah. Which, by the way, for those who don't know, that actually means your food's damn good. Right. Like, somebody putting their foot in it and then slapping your mama are probably, like, the two best things a black person can tell you about the food you cook. Right. <laughs> There's an episode of The Proud Family where, you know, uh, I think Sugar Mama actually was, you know, she said, I put my foot in the... No, see what I said? She actually was <laughs> literally <laughs> making it with her feet. <laughs> but, yeah, man, it was it was interesting, though, right? Because... These are things I'd kind of sort of figured out. And then to see that, like, okay, so I'm not crazy. Like, this is just a thing that's an oversight. So, you know, when we talk about, and, and I'm going to do a full video on this, kind of covering it. But, like, when we talk about representation mattering, a lot of people think it's, like, just so there's somebody out there that looks like me. It's like, no, there's, like, we need somebody who has experience doing lighting or makeup or whatever for darker skinned people to be able to tell them how to set it up. By the way, as in so many other things, we are not a monolith because on Allen's Ever After, we realized we had to do like, because Tish and I do not have this. We're both black, but we do not have the same skin color. Oh, for real. So we need essentially two different types of lighting. Yeah, that's real. These are, and even we didn't figure that out until several videos in. That's what I'm telling you, man. And I and people are I must have watched for real. I'm not even exaggerating. Probably five to seven hours worth of videos that were covering lighting, and then testing it on my own stuff over the course of several weeks to realize, like, wait a minute, I know why this isn't working. You know, but when you're watching stuff and you start to see people saying the same things like, oh, you need to set up a light at like three quarters thing. And you probably want to set one at this many lumens or this brightness or whatever. And you're like, OK, this must be a thing because enough people have said it that are all doing well and have cool presentations. So, like, I must be doing something wrong. Right. And then it starts to click like, oh, wait, what do all those people have in common that I don't. <laughs> you're like, OK. Now I kind of get it. Let me tone this light down. Let me move this light over. And you can even see, like, in my own stuff. Like, to the point now that if I adjust even the colors in behind me, I adjust the lights in front of me. Because now I've learned some things about how I look on camera, you know, how to make it look right. You know, even how to punch up saturation or whatever so my melanin looks right on a thumbnail, you know. But those are things people don't talk to you about because they don't deal with it. And it's not to blame anybody. They just don't know. That's why you need other people for representation out here. Like everybody thinks it's just like we're just trying to check a box and put somebody in a seat because I so I have somebody at the table. It's like, no, that's nice. But like 
we need them there for a lot of other reasons, like very subtle things that just don't come up often. Like the connect thing I talked about. Had they tested that and had any black people stand in front of it, <laughs> and also did not just black people, but different different races, different skin tones, but because they clearly didn't have anybody on the design team that thought about that, <laughs> we got a, a connect that couldn't see black people, depending on what the shade of their skin was. For sure, that that would, and not only not only that, that would have saved somebody a lot of time and money, right? Because you know, I just mean, that when, little bit. when the stories came out, yeah, it was Microsoft would have happily written a check of probably nine or ten million to avoid any of that bad publicity. Because it was yeah, just let that go away. That that was lead story on every gaming site for about a good week. Yeah, like you don't want that out there. But again, it's that oversight that if you haven't been doing diverse hires and everything else, stuff like that happens. You know, and. And, you know, talking, like we said, about makeup and things like that and hair and all these little things like that affects. And and here's the other thing, too. If those things aren't accounted for, you're also limiting the level that that person of color can even have success wise because they're not going to look as good. They're not going to sound as good, you know, whatever. And that's going to come off in the product. That people if are going to look like trying to if you're trying to create a, a product, you know, that explains and appeals to a diverse audience, they're not going to feel like it's authentic. Like, you know, the, the West family eating some strange noodle casserole at Thanksgiving. Black people are like, hey, what? No, nah, these 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 aren't black people. What are you doing right now? Yeah, that ain't a thing. Like any t- I'll tell you right now, anytime you see one of them feasts in a black person's house. And it's got a pumpkin pie and not a sweet potato pie. <laughs> you know there wasn't black people on that set. Like you, you know. Like, and don't get me wrong, I'll eat some pumpkin pie. I will too. But if I were to bring that over instead, like, and I and they knew there was an option yeah. of a sweet potato pie, and I did not take that option over the pumpkin pie. Ooh, I'm gonna get some looks. <laughs> sure. I'm gonna do that right now. Like, so people know. But yeah, it's it's a it's that type of stuff though. And I just want to bring that up because that was one of the conversations of just getting people to understand that representation isn't just about having somebody there that looks like you. It's about all the stuff that comes about because that person's there. Right? Like you're saying, checking those boxes for is this actually culturally appropriate? Being able to check a box to say, like, hey, does the equipment work the way it's supposed to when it sees darker skin tone? Right? Are are black actors and actresses going to look as good on camera because we took the time to get the proper equipment for the lighting or the right makeup artist or hair artist or whatever, right? Hairdresser. Will, will people in the audience be able to relate to these black characters? Will this reflect their experience? Oh, for sure. And I think, over, again, over the long run, it also adds to the possible levels of success for those people you're putting in those positions. Because if the audience isn't relating to them or they don't understand them or they just look bad, you know, that's the other thing. If they just look dumpy or they look darker than they need to or whatever, like they're just not going to come off as good on camera. So then they're just not going to be as appealing because their setup's not going to look as sharp. Their video's not going to look as good. I mean, hell, I'm, I can tell you even now, like I get way more attention the way my stuff looks now than the way it used to. And I don't like my content was good, but my presentation suffered while I was learning. And this is from somebody who put in time, like, I mean, literally hours. And then, I don't know, probably total, 
probably some 15, 20 hours between experimentation and everything else to finally land on like, oh, this isn't working because I'm black and not white. (laughs) I mean, literally after all that, it was like, oh, okay. well, let me try these other things and ignore what all these people are saying. And I might be able to figure something out. (laughs) How many times a day do you have that? Oh, wait, (laughs) this is set up for white people. I, that probably happens a few times a year for sure. I don't know if it happens daily, but there's definitely points throughout the year where I'm like, oh, I get it. <laughs> right? Like, I see what happened here. There's like, a yeah. couple of publications and or websites that worked that, oh, wait, I, I, now I get it. <laughs> this was, yeah, there's this stuff in hindsight that I, I didn't get at the time that I back it up and go like, oh, that's probably why that didn't hit the way it should have. You know, like, like you don't even realize it till it's too late. You're like, oh, well, I get it now. It wasn't a me thing. But yeah, I just think it's a good conversation to have, you know, to just tell people like, hey, there's a lot of things that happen when you aren't working with a diverse group or cast or whatever. And they're not necessarily all the things you think. You know, everybody thinks it's more about a political thing and just a visual thing. It's like, no, there's so many levels to it. So many subtle things, really, that are the big deals. But again, if you want to allow those people to have the success and you want to set them up for success, you have to give them equal tools. Yes. That's the biggest thing. I can't count the number of times somebody has assumed I had more authority than I did at whatever publication I was in. See, you should have done it this way. As if I was, you know, (laughs) as if I was the editor calling the shots or whatever ridiculous thing we had just done. Hey, you might have been their only black expert. Exactly. (laughs) <laughs> As I have probably mentioned on here before, I one time had to write an opinion column uh, explaining why raising the minimum wage would be bad while working for minimum wage. <laughs> if you <laughs> you talk about feeling powerless, <laughs> that's a tough one, man. That's a tough one. Uh, no, I got to be working for zero wage if I didn't write the editorial. <laughs> well, that's <laughs> actually very true. Very true. Want everybody if they can find you on socials, Brian, so we can get out of here. All right. I am Brian Sionic on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and our family channel on YouTube is Alan's Ever After. And you can find me just about everywhere. Power Dragon, P-O-W-R-D-R-A-G-N. And if you want to follow my secret third channel to just see some fun reviews and see me taste test these uh, Mr. Beast Feastables, you can find that over at Power Dragon Reviews and Reacts. And as always, wherever you're listening, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, and good night. Please take care of yourself and your family with all the junk out in the world. And remember to be awesome and be awesome to each other. If you'd like to further support Color of Magic, you can find us on our website at colorofmtg.com. We also have a Patreon if you'd like to donate other patreon.com slash colorofmagic. You can also find us on Facebook under Color of Magic. And if you want to follow us along at Twitter, you can find us there at Color of MTG. And as always, please share the podcast around to your friends, your network, people you think might enjoy it, because every little bit helps as we're trying to increase our user base. 